Would you help me welcome Bishop Lance Johnson from Relevate Church in Ranger, Georgia to the platform tonight? Come on, give the Lord some praise tonight. He's worthy, amen. Come on, no patty cakes in this house tonight. Come on, give him praise, church. Come on, you don't need to be inspired tonight. He already inspired you. When he saved you, set you free, healed you, delivered you, you ought to give him real praise in the house tonight. I wish somebody just shout if he's been good to you tonight. Hallelujah. Woo. He's so worthy, amen. So worthy, so honored to be back once again. Uh, just, uh, just absolutely uh, leveled by the presence of God tonight. So strong in the house. And uh, I'm just honored to, to be here to just partake of what each of you are getting a chance to partake of tonight, not only here in this room, but online, those that God is touching tonight supernaturally. Uh, I just want to give you a, a word as quickly as I can. I don't know what that looks like. My world quickly. I don't really know what that looks like anymore. I don't wanna, I don't wanna be a man that would tell a story from the pulpit, so I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna go as quickly as I can. I'll, we'll see how that looks, amen. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you'll just look there real quickly, I'm gonna read from the NLT, verses two and three, and then I'm gonna go back to the book of Daniel, but I just wanna honor tonight uh, Pastor Todd and Karen. I love you guys. I thank y'all so much for your friendship over all these years. Everywhere I go, I talk about your love for God, your love to the people here at Christ Fellowship, your love to the pastors and the leaders across America. Thank you for the sacrifices that you guys have made, not just for these last four years, but for all the years that I've ever known you. Thank you for your generosity and your love. Let's let God know we thank him tonight for leaders like Pastor Todd and Karen Smith. Thank you for your labor of love. I know you don't need any accolades. You don't need any applause, but we thank God for you. We thank God for you. Our lives are better because of you. We're here tonight, and we're thankful because you have encouraged us. Yeah. Yeah. When I tell you I wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for Pastor Todd and Karen Smith, I'm telling you the absolute truth. I'm here tonight because in our, our most difficult trying moment of our life, they stood with us. They stood for us. They helped us. They encouraged us. We didn't know where to throw in the towel, quit, but they were God's vessels. And I thank you from the depths of my heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, NLT. Paul writes and said, I'm jealous for you with a jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride, everybody say a pure bride, to one husband, Christ. Can you imagine living with your wife knowing that she was a cheater? that every day she would gallivant off with another man and then come running home to you at night and act like she loved you. I just wonder how God must feel when his people run off and gallivant with the world all day 
and then run home and cuddle up in the bed and say, now nah, lay me down to sleep. I just wonder how he feels when we give more time and more submission and more surrender to things that put money in our bank accounts, things that are temporal upon this earth. But yet when it comes to God, we do it if we feel like it or if it's convenient. That's a tough statement. But it's exactly what Paul is writing about. It's not a condemning statement. It's just what he said. I'm jealous for you with the same jealousy of God. God is a jealous God. Mm-hmm. That's what my Bible says. I don't know which one you've been reading for, but he's jealous. He's jealous for you, for your attention, for your adoration, for your submission, for your love for the expression of joy toward him. He, he's, he's jealous for a bride that will praise him, not because the praise team was on cue, but because they were deeply in love with him. Somebody that'll praise him just because of who he is and not because of what he can do for them. My God, somebody that'll praise him just because they're deeply and passionately in love with him. Somebody that just because of who he is just begins to work you up in every manner. When I think of the goodness and all he's done for me, my God, I wish we could just begin to think about him and get teary-eyed. Begin to think about him, couldn't hold back a hand from going up in the air. Begin to think about him, couldn't help but to bow our knees. Just over the thinking of the goodness of who he is. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I know where I came from. And I know what I was before the divine intervention of the loving God that I was not deserving, I was not qualified for it, but he walked right up in my living room and showed me goodness and mercy and grace and power and authority that forever changed my life that if God never did anything else I will continue to bow my knee in adoration to who he is because I've seen the goodness of who he is my God I think I read about it in the Bible when he said those that have been forgiven of much love much Woo. So he, so he writes this in verse three, and then I'm going to get to my text. But I fear that somehow, everybody say somehow. Now listen to these words carefully. Your pure, undivided devotion. Say that with me. Pure, undivided devotion. He didn't say divided focus. He said undivided focus. If it's undivided, that means it's singular. Hello, somebody. Ain't nobody got my attention like God does. Ain't nobody got my devotion like God does. Ain't nobody got my focus like God does. In other words, before I've looked at anything, I done looked at him first. 
And no matter what happens around me, it is not capable of pulling my focus and my devotion off of him. I may have a great family, but it can't get my devotion. I may have a good job, but it won't get my devotion. I may have conflicts in my life, but it will not pull my devotion away from him because I know that my devotion to him is why my marriage is good, why my kids are good, why my job is good, why my life is better, because in him, everything hinges. Is anybody with me tonight? You gotta understand when you really know who he is, you understand everything you are and everything you have and everything you'll ever be is because of who he is in your life. My God, you wanna make it and live in a life of breakthrough, then you better stay focused on him. Your devotion, it better be to him. Woo! Somebody say undivided focus, undivided devotion. Now watch this. Here's what he said he feared. That somehow your pure undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. In other words, the agenda of the enemy is to pull away your singular undivided devotion to him. In other words, he wants you to share your devotion. He wants you to have other things in your life that are equally devoted as God is. Are you with me? But I gotta, you gotta hear my voice tonight. God is restoring the church's devotion back to him. My God, we are not going to serve and worship other gods. We may have to be in this world, but we're not going to be of this world. We may have to deal with responsibilities, and we may have to deal with things in this life, but nothing will pull us away from our deep devotion to him. My God, I want to preach in here. The depth of your devotion, church, I need you to hear me tonight. The depth of your devotion is going to determine the realm of kingdom authority that you walk in. Because you ain't going to dabble in the, oh God, you don't want to hear me. You ain't going to dabble in the kingdom of God and think you're going to walk in kingdom authority. God's looking for somebody that'll lay their life down. Somebody that'll say, I've laid my life. You ain't taking my life. I've laid my life down. Can I preach it here tonight? I want to put the devil on notice tonight. You did not kill my Savior on the cross. You did not put him on the cross. If you think that the devil put Jesus on the cross, you've not read your Bible. Because my Bible said, Jesus said, ain't nobody going to take my life. I lay my life down. You ain't going to have to take my life, church. We're going to lay it down. Somebody say lay it down. Whew. Here's what I know. If I'm empty of my life, I'm full of his life. You see, you want to walk in kingdom authority where rags cast out devils? Can I count there for two minutes? I just got a word. I think some people would rather fight with demons than cast demons out. Because when they get done casting one out, they pull one of them Hulk Hogan things. Like they somebody. You ain't nobody. But the God in you is everything. My God, if we would start ministering out of the anointing, we quit fighting with devils and feeding our ego. I felt that. I felt that. 
but you ain't gonna back me up. Not no corner today. Because see, I'm looking for an anointing where I ain't got to holler. I ain't got to complain. I ain't got to fuss. I ain't got to ask names. I just got to throw a rag at it. Somebody say throw a rag at it. Want such an anointing? All I got to do is throw a rag at it. My God, I want the unusual miracles. I'm not going to settle for status quo. I'm not settling for the usual. It is time for the unusual. That unusual is coming from an unusual devotion. We can talk about the miracles of Paul, but not many people want to talk about the lifestyle of Paul. You know, when your number one cry is, oh, that I might know him. In the power of his resurrection, and everybody said amen. But then he says something profound in the fellowship of his sufferings. In other words, God, I thank you that you counted me worthy to suffer with you, to, to, to bear the cross of Christ in my everyday life. Woo! Mm. It was Paul that penned Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. He wasn't just talking about symbolically. He understood that he died daily. He was the one who wrote it. I die daily. When you look at the testimony of Paul, it wasn't the size of his car, the brand of his car, whether his initials were, were, were in, embroidered in his Armani suit. It was how many times he had been shipwrecked, how many times he had been beaten, what he had been through. And when he come out of the end of it, he said, I may be cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Come on, I wish somebody in here could brag that I've been to hell and back, but I'm still here today. I listen, I've died to myself. I ain't got an ego to keep up, I ain't got a I ain't got a I ain't got an agenda to promote. I'm here a dead man walking to glorify. Nobody but Jesus. Everybody in the right room. Somebody say devotion. Can I, can I just talk to you about devotion? Daniel chapter three. I, I'm gonna preach the whole chapter. Is that all right? So will you follow me? Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon. So much like America. America, the Babylon, much like it, with corrupt kings who want the people to bow down to their agenda and the image into which they project. Y'all don't want to hear me preach. I might not better go to the depths of where I really want to go there. I need to say something to you. The government of the United States of America does not, does not dictate to me what pure holiness is. They do not dictate to me my moral values. I need to preach in here today. They do not dictate.
they do not dictate to me what is sexually pure or impure. They do not define nor do they tell me what God considers to be marriage. My Bible tells me one man for one woman. I'm going to jump right on this thing. My God does not listen. My God tells me what sexual purity is. Not my government nor a sugar lip preacher but the Bible and the Holy Ghost is the only thing that will ever set the standard as to what holiness is in the eyes of my God. My standard is not set by Hollywood. It is not set by the news media. My standard is set by nothing less than God himself. My Bible does not define holiness as a Baptist, a Pentecostal, a, a Presbyterian, or a Methodist, or a Catholic. My Bible said be holy as he is holy. He is the only standard in which we have to live by. Nebuchadnezzar, y'all ready for this? Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm gonna build a golden image. If you'll read in Revelation, the Bible said they're gonna bow down to an image of a beast. You better be careful what image you're worshiping in 2022. You better be careful that the image of God that you're worshiping is the same image projected by the Holy Ghost and the Bible. You can't cherry pick the Bible and develop you a God that you want to worship, honey. That's what Egypt did when they worshiped the, 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 the golden calf and watch what God did to them. Be careful about the image that you develop no matter what you call it. Just because you call your God Jesus don't mean you worship in Jesus. <clears throat> Paul said, be careful if somebody comes and preaches another Jesus. A Jesus that fits your culture. A Jesus that fits your personality. A Jesus that fits your fleshly lust. Be careful that you, oh my God, y'all don't want to hear me preach. Be careful that you don't receive another spirit. Woo! And Nebuchadnezzar built an image. Somebody say build an image. After he built an image, he got all of the politicians and all of the political authorities of that, of that government together. And simultaneously, anybody and everybody that ever was somebody came before the golden image. If they had a Hollywood, Hollywood was there. I almost called names, Pastor. Be careful. <laughs> I really want to so bad. Holy Ghost, give me power. Because I want to call every one of your favorite movie stars. I want to call every one of your TV hosts, every one of your TV personalities that have compromised the word of God, that have made multiple ways to God. Matter of fact, I'd like to call out a few preachers right now, but I'm going to be nice about it because some of them have told us there's many ways to heaven. But I got news for you, church. Any by time anybody come preaching a different Jesus than the one the Bible tells us and the one the Holy Ghost reveals, you're idol worshiping.
You're worshiping another image of a God that is not a God. It's your figment of imagination. And they, and they, and they turned on the music. Everybody say the music. Let's, let's, let's make this thing entertainment driven. I know I'm preaching right tonight. Let's, let's get everybody on board so that we follow all of the political voices, all of the, all of the TV personalities, all of the, the popular culture. Let's get some really good quality music. Don't matter if they was in the club last night because it don't matter. Don't matter if they worship God, just let them be talented. Don't matter if they pray in the Holy Ghost, just so they're talented. We'd rather have professionalism than we had anointing. And instead of worshiping God where the Shekinah Kabod of God sits down in the room, we'll get some fog machines and make it very entertaining. Looks good. Smells good. Got the whole world saying yes to it. And when they got everybody worked up into an emotional frenzy, when they got everybody talking about, ooh, look, so-and-so's here. Oh, look, that congressman's here. There's senator there. Oh, wait a minute, he's a conservative and he's here too. Everybody's done bow their knee. Well, if everybody has, we better do what they say's right and bow our knee to this image that Nebuchadnezzar has created. Well, we can bow our knee even though in our hearts we don't believe what we're bowing our knee to. We just don't want to be offensive. We just don't want to kick against conformity because you can't call that unity. We just don't want to kick against conformity because after all, God doesn't care if I bow my knee to this worldly image because God knows my heart. God understands that though I'm bowing down, in my heart I'm standing up. And my Bible tells me that I better beware of my heart because it's more deceitful. Mm. So they come across these three boys. They, their names are unusual. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you, you know how it is that it wasn't the king that found out they wasn't going to bow their knee and subject to what the whole providence of Babylon had submitted to. All the other Jews bowed their knee. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we ain't bowing our knee. We ain't even coming to your festival. We refuse to fit into the status quo of where this culture is. I refuse to fit in. Somebody has got to come to a place in their life that they are so devoted to God that they don't fit into the world anymore. My God, don't smell like the world, don't talk like the world, don't look like the world. You don't have to look like the world to win the world. Woo! 
Can I tell you the greatest mistake the church ever made in my 30-something years of being in ministry? They started polling sinners to determine how they structured their church. That goes against everything my Bible teaches me. My Bible said that he was in the world, but he was not of the world. And let me tell you something. He turned the world upside down, didn't look like the world, didn't live like the world, didn't talk like the world, didn't act like the world, but through him, he paid the price for the salvation of the world. Woo! My God, think about this. He said, they hate me because I'm not of the world. And then he said this, they're gonna hate you because you're not of them. When did the church have to start looking like the world to win the world? My God, the ones in the world is in a mess right now. They the ones bound up and strung out. If the only hope that I had in this country called America was that political mess in Washington, D.C., I would be all but hopeless because there ain't nothing to hope in because the whole mess is just that. It is a mess. My hope is not in legislation. My hope is in a God who with him all things are possible. By God, I wish the church <coughs> would decide that we don't have to be like the world. We don't have to act like the world. But see, here's the problem. If you don't conform and you don't bow down, they're going to be some little pump that's going to run tell on you. Somebody going to tell that y'all ain't conforming. Somebody gonna run, tell everybody, I don't like them. That's rebellion. Rabbi Abba tells me, submit to the authority given you, and I will submit to them until they ask me to do something that is contrary to the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Ghost in my heart. Republican, Democrat, don't matter. I'm a Christian before I'm any of them. My allegiance is not to a political party. My allegiance is to a kingdom that is not of this world, but it is in the world. Whoa. Somebody say my allegiance is to God. Say it again, my allegiance is to God. Let me tell you something. You start telling my grandbabies, that it's all right for my granddaughters to marry another woman and you're going to have to fight me, Jack. You, no, 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 I'm going to preach up in here. I don't care if I make everybody in here mad. I don't care if I insult you. I come to tell you my God did not define a marriage between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. My Bible defined a marriage between one man and one woman. I 
don't care how long my government tells me that it's all right for a physician because he has a doctorate degree. I'm fishing to get all up in your business. <laughs> to run a medical instrument into the womb of a woman and suck the brains out of a living child that God created at conception. No, 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 no. When these days come, I will buck the system. I will not submit. I will stand up and declare with every fiber of who's inside of me the righteousness. Take your tithe and run if you want to. Because my devotion is not to an organizational religious institution. It's not to a tithe base. It's not a devotion to people who don't know who God is. My devotion is to God himself and nothing less. I'm about to go further. Tell me to close my doors one more time. I double dog dare you tell me to close my doors one more time. You tell me one more time that a liquor store is essential, but the house of God is not essential. I tell you right now, I will not bow my knee to this Nebuchadnezzar. Never. They, the panty-waisted poopsies can bow their knees all they want to. But I got news for you. In Ranger, Georgia, I got news for you. In Dawsonville, Georgia, in Cumming, Georgia, I got news for you, baby. In Marion, Kentucky, we will not bow. Go ahead and put your ugly face on Facebook. They got the delete button, darling. You don't bother me a bit in the world. Because when I lay down tonight, I don't care what you said. I know what my father said. I know what he told me before I walked in here tonight. He said, tell my people to be devoted to me enough that they will not bow their knee to the Kenebenezers of this generation. I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> I'm going to, listen, y'all don't think I can preach in a normal voice. <laughs> it might take two sips. So, they drug old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego down there. And old Nebuchadnezzar said, is it true that you're not going to bow your knee? They said, absolutely, we ain't bowing our knee. 
King Nebuchadnezzar said, you understand, I'm gonna throw you in the fiery furnace. And I ain't just gonna throw you in the fiery furnace, but I'm gonna heat it up seven times. Somebody say seven times. You see, because the truth is, the spirit that's operating behind this ungodliness. It don't want to just kill you. It wants to kill you over and over and over and over. Some of you don't know that because you ain't bucked it yet. Some of you has been so conformed to it that you don't understand the repercussions and the opposition of taking a voice in a position of opposition against this agenda. And can I tell you what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to Nebuchadnezzar? And this is where we've got to get. This is my sermon. Not the fire. And even though I want to talk for a minute about the fourth one, that was in the fire like into the Son of God, you know that sermon. I want to talk to you about this sermon. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we know that our God is able to deliver us. Somebody say, we know that our God is able to deliver us. But this is where we've got to be. But even if you don't, you know how many Christians in 30 years of pastoring thousands of people have sat in my office and told me they were leaving? Not my church, but they walked out on God. They walked out on ministry. They walked out on their calling. They walked out on their purpose. And they walked out because God didn't do what they thought God ought to do. Men that had backslid on God because their marriages were not reconciled. People that backslid because their children didn't come home. Because loved ones died. Oh, because houses were foreclosed on and cars were repossessed. Because at a midnight hour, God did not do what they thought God ought to have done. And they prayed, they fasted, they tithed, they gave, they were faithful, and God didn't show up. I just wonder if there's a generation in 2022 that said, even if God don't, I still won't bow my knee. Even if God don't show up, even if he don't do what I've asked him to do, I'm still not gonna bow my knee. I just wonder if there's a radical generation of people that has such devotion to Jesus that they won't bow their knee when God don't do what they think he ought to do. Because you would have quit at the first shipwreck. You would have quit at the first beating. You know how many times Paul said he got beat? Five. And then he said, I was beat with rods. In other words, I didn't quit the first time God didn't show up when I thought he ought to showed up. 
You see, it's one thing you could serve him when he shook the prison cell, broke the shackles loose, and opened the prison door. But what happened when he let you take a beating? That God, not only am I willing to be beat for you, but I will die for you. I will not bow my knee to the image of the Nebuchadnezzars of this generation. Ooh, boy, got dead quiet in here tonight. I'm gonna give you two points, I'm gone. Can I borrow y'all just a minute? I'm about done. Watch this. Boy, I feel it, church. My Bible tells me that we overcome the devil. Somebody say we overcome the devil. See, everybody misquotes this, this scripture. By the blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. And we stop right there. That ain't how you overcome the devil. Oh, you better read your Bible, honey. You didn't overcome him by the blood alone. You didn't overcome him by the testimony alone. But because we love not our lives unto death, God, if you don't show up, I still won't bow my knee because I am in this thing till the last breath in my body. Ball me and all and I won't quit. Hang me on a cross upside down. I won't quit. Hand me my head to my wife in a basket, but I will not quit. Well, that was for them, not us. We live in America. And that's the problem. We live in a self-centered Self-indulgence, sugar-lip preaching culture that everybody taught you Jesus died to make you happy. Well, the devil is a liar. He died for you to make you his own, his own to the point that you will live for him and with him with undivided devotion. You say, that man's crazy. No, I just read my Bible. I don't know what gospel you've been listening to. My Bible tells me that if I'm gonna follow him, I already gotta be a dead man walking. Because you had to take up a cross every day. Can I tell you what most 21st century Christians think taking up your cross is? Putting that gold cross around your neck. How dare you? How dare you? Insult my Savior's death and his word by thinking taking up your cross is putting on a Jesus t-shirt. Taking up your cross means that you die to yourself. Dead men don't have nothing to defend. Dead men don't bow their knee. Dead men already dead anyway. 
That's how after you done been beat five times, you keep going. Because you're already dead to start with. You're dead to Christ. Or dead in Christ. And alive in Him. For me to live is Christ. Oh. Can I, can I plop down here and quote that? Can I plop? I plop good. I'm a fat man. I plop good. I'm going to plop down and quote that to you. For me to live is Christ. Can I tell you what that means? For me to live means that I manifest Christ in everything that I do and everything that I am. Because he is the only image that I'm created in. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. The 21st century church, and I love her, God's resurrecting her, is the only institution in the world that preaches all the glory of heaven and nobody wants to go. God mourns at your birth. Mm. And he rejoices at your death. Death every true believer that is sold out to God ought to be the greatest reward and advancement and promotion that anyone could ever have. If we believe what Jesus did on the cross, oh, I know, I know I'm jacking with you now. I got you. I got you. It's got real quiet. Everybody wants a third heaven revelation. Everybody wants that. Oh, I want to go to the third heaven. I tell you, I've read, I've read books on it. It makes me physically sick. I sometimes go throw up. When I read about people talk about the third heaven experience, I'm going to the third heaven to pray. No, you're not. Paul went there, but he died to get there. Most people aren't willing to go back to Iconium. Y'all don't want me to preach that sermon. They, they, listen, they, they, they stoned him. And they drug him outside of town and left him for dead. They said he's dead. We stoned him. He's dead. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know what he said. See, everybody wants a third heaven revelation, but nobody wants to die to have it. See, everybody wants to see Jesus in the fire, but not very many people are willing to die to find him in the fire. You want the fire? I'm going to tell you what my best friend says. Die well. Die well. Before Jesus ever went to the cross, he went to the garden. He was already dead before he got to the cross. 
He may have been physically alive, but he was dead to himself. So that when they came with a Judas's kiss, he was not an offended man. He, he was not hurt. He said, no man takes my life. I lay down my life. God's not looking for slaughtered sheep for an altar. God's looking for a living sacrifice. Mr. Priest, you don't have to cut my throat for me to climb up on that fire. I'm climbing up on it while I'm well and alive. No need for you to cut my throat and throw me up there dead. I'm already dead. You don't have to kill me. I'm a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable service. My altar call tonight is to die well. My altar call tonight is to challenge you to have a devotion to God that is not divided. That I am devoted unto my last breath. I'm going to ask a bold question in here. I had a $250 a day cocaine habit when I was saved. I was a gun runner and an alcoholic. I was a whoremonger. I was, I was terrible. And I was deeply devoted to that lifestyle. So much that I would give up my wife and my children for that lifestyle. That's devotion. The world calls it addiction. But the fact is you're devoted. You're devoted to your dope. You're devoted to that woman you're sleeping with that is not your wife. And you would be willing to lose your kids, your walk with God and everything to keep sleeping with that woman that's not your wife. I'm prophesying. That's devotion. Woman, you better love that devotion really good. But I got news for you. He ain't going to keep it because he can't stay devoted to his last wife. So he's sure ain't going to stay devoted to you. And if you think he's going to stay devoted to God, no, he ain't. That's why he couldn't stay devoted to his wife because he wouldn't stay devoted to God. If he would have stayed devoted to, his, to God, he would have stayed devoted to his wife. Single people, if you're devoted to God, you won't be devoted to having hanky-panky with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Let me say it one more time. I'll not bow my knee to what this generation defines as sexually moral or immoral. God still calls sex outside of marriage fornication and he calls it a sin and he said those that practice it will not inherit the kingdom of God and of Christ. I'm here to inherit the kingdom, honey, in this life and in the one to come. I'm a walking kingdom authority. The kingdom of God is gonna move in me how devoted to God are you if you would be devoted enough to God tonight to die to yourself if you would come to an altar instead of wanting a magical 
touch. See, that's the problem. We want a touch to get out of the DUI. We want a touch. Oh, touch me. Oh, God, get me out of this mess I'm in. But the problem is, if you get a touch and get off the drug and then go sleep with Susie, you're going back to the dope he delivered you from. I done been doing this a long time. You get mad or get glad. Don't matter to me. I done watched it by experience. Drugs. What is that? It's not a gateway. Pot ain't a gateway to, to cocaine. And cocaine ain't a gateway to methamphetamines. Sin is a gateway. Do one and a hundred more is coming to follow. When you do one, the next one gets easier. It's not about the sin, it's about devotion. Because you become more devoted to your flesh than you do to God. Here's my invitation. You want off dope tonight? I've been off 32 years. 32 years, there been another straw in my nose. For 32 years, me and Jack Daniels been divorced. Divorced Evan Williams too. Divorced Absolute too. I can, I can preach on. I divorced Miller Light, Bud Light, Bud. I got rid of all of them. I broke up with the strip club. I broke up with the honky-tonk. I broke up with all that foul-mouthed language of GD this and throwing around F-bombs like this. I broke up with a lifestyle. And it wasn't I just broke up with it. I just died September 2nd, 1990. I had to make a decision die to myself or pull the trigger on a Smith and Wesson and die naturally I chose to die to myself when I died to myself something came alive inside of me the more you die the more he lives So my invitation tonight, if you want the kingdom, die and die well. I know why God's meeting people in the water. I know why the fire's in the water. The fire's in the water because of relentless, undivided devotion of a people that said, we're not going to settle anymore for status quo. That said, we're going to pay the price. Mm, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I don't feel like it. Ain't got an attitude for it, but we're going to pray. We're going to teach well. We're going to preach well. And we're going to pray well. And we're going we're to go after God. We'll call some crazy preacher who's also on a fast that absolutely is despised by the world. Tell him, come preach a men's meeting. It wasn't because anybody was somebody. It was just because a bunch of people were tired. of living well and decided to die well. Not for a big church, but to host his presence. If you'll die well tonight, 
His kingdom's coming. His power is coming. His unusual miracles are coming. Supernatural deliverances are coming. Marriages being totally reconciled are coming. Listen to me, men. You get in that baptistry and die to your flirtatious, ego-driven self and watch what God does to your marriage. At it. Die to yourself tonight and you'll come out a free person. Drug-free, alcohol-free, lust-free, porn-free. I don't care what it is. My God is still a deliverer. So every person in this room that wants to die well, won't you stand up tonight, right now, all over the building. Every person said, I want to die well tonight. Every person that says, man, I'm ready to go into the garden and lay my life down. I'm ready to be buried with Christ through baptism into death. I feel the Holy Ghost Church and be raised. Whew. Raised to walk in the newness of life. Let me tell you how great that power is. Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 that you may know the power to us Lord who believe the same power that raised Christ from the dead that same power is going to resurrect you tonight you ain't leaving this building the same person you were because tonight you didn't come for what you going to do for me tonight God you just going to come tonight and say God I want to die well I just want to die well I'm going to devote myself to God with all that is within me. Undivided devotion. You ain't dragging me away. I normally always give an altar call. But tonight, for the first time in almost four years, 205 weeks, my invitation tonight is 100% solely to this water. Because that water is where you die. That's what it is. It's a burial where resurrection power will work in your life. If you're lost, bury the old man. If you're backslid, bury the backslider. If you're an adulterer, bury the adulterer. If you're powerless, bury the powerless person. If your division, if your devotion is divided, bury the division. And walk out of this place tonight sold out. No matter what it cost me. Some of you know my story and some of you don't. Pastor Todd, be ready. I'm going to turn it over to you or whoever I need to turn it over here to open up these waters.
in 2008, Lisa and I died again. Todd Smith, we died. We died. Everything. Our reputation. Our, our family. We died. Our kids' reputation. Our ministry. Our wealth. Our security. Our stability. We died, Todd. We died. At first I kicked and screamed and fought. But then I just died. I said, God, if you want it, it's yours. You want my life, take it. I don't care. But God, I won't bow my knee. You brought me into this thing and only you can take me out because I won't leave. And there's a statement that I'm reminded of today. I'm not boasting. I'm not proud. I'm not arrogant. I'm just telling you this is God's word. When Peter looked at Jesus and said, Lord, we left everything. We left our families. We left our homes. We left lands. We left it all. We gave up. In other words, we died to everything in this life. We died. We laid it down. He said, Peter, anything that you forsook in this life, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to give it back to you a hundredfold in this life and in the one to come. You want to experience God, you'll find him in the fire. And you know where the fire's at tonight? It's in the water. The fire that Pastor Todd talked about tonight, that, that tube of fire, it's in that water. You want to experience God, you'll find him in the fire. You know where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced Jesus? In the fire. And you know what happened when they came out of the fire? Nebuchadnezzar passed a decree. Nobody in the providence of Babylon will worship any gods except the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You want to turn this country upside down? Quit bowing your knee and find Jesus in the fire. I should talk.